Welcome to Mosaic. We are glad that you're here. Welcome to Sunday morning. And let me just say this, as excited that we are that you're here on Sunday morning, uh, this is not the pinnacle event of our week. Uh, We hope in a lot of ways this just kind of launches you into some good movement this week. And in particular, as a local church, one of the things that we say we hope to accomplish here at Mosaic is this, to cultivate safe spaces where we together can lean into each other's stories. Is there a hum or is that just me? There's a hum. What do you think, Jordan? Am I doing something wrong? Oh, there it is. How about that? Let's give Jordan a hand, everybody. Woo! Jordan's the man. Um, yeah, one of the things we hope to accomplish here at Mosaic is that this Sunday morning would be a springboard into the rest of your week that you can lean into each other's stories. Um, In a powerful way, we want you to know here on a Sunday morning that you are loved, that you are loved, Um, that the love of God welcomes you just as you are and that we welcome you just as you are. But to be, to be loved and not really be fully known is kind of superficial. Um, so more than anything, what we really desire is that you, yes, would know that you are loved, but also that you can lean into stories around you and know that you can be really known and that you can know other people. Because that brings us um, to a whole new depth of being and interacting together as a community. So again, really glad that you're here. But in light of that, as we look to cultivate safe spaces where we can lean into each other's stories, I know, you know, I just, I love it because I, a lot of times I'll be around Lincoln throughout the week and I'll see little, little groups, little pockets of people getting together. I'll hear of, you know, just meals being shared. And I love that, you know, people reaching out to maybe someone they just met and said, hey, you want to come over? You want to grab dinner? You want to grab coffee? Yeah, that's what it's about, Mosaic. You know, groups that meet regularly, you know, or maybe every week or every other week, they're just getting together. We also have things that just happen kind of spontaneously. Um, for instance, this coming Saturday, let me mention just a few things, because I really want us to take these to heart, Mosaic, when we, when we think about what it means to be a community that acknowledges, yes, we are loved, but we also can be fully known and still be loved, right? It's like one of our biggest fears is to be fully known, but then to have love withheld, right? That's, that's scary. Um, but we want you to know that you can be fully known and still be loved. So Ann Kaler, where are you? Ann Kaler, do I see you right there? Ann, can you raise your hand? Just say, say hi to Ann, everybody. Say, hey, what's up? Um, talk to Ann. This coming Saturday, a group of women are getting together um, in her living room, and they are going to be exploring um, kind of a journey that actually some women all over the country are going to be exploring together. Um, and if you can show up for all of the day, part of the day, you're free to come and go. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity um, as these women gather together in Anne's living room. So um, talk with Anne. You can also talk with Libby, our Mosaic Kids director, about that, Okay. Um, another environment coming up a week from tomorrow, again at Ann's house. Let's hear it for Ann's house. All right, man. And it just, it just so happens that one of my favorite places in Lincoln is Ann's house. 
Um, so if you've never experienced Anne's house, you have to experience Anne's house. It's, it's where the action's at. So we've been going through this um, Inner Skeptic Saints series, you know, and, and really what we did is we, we just looked at this reality that Jesus says, look, um, you can come and follow me and have questions and have doubts. You know, like you don't have to choose one or the other. Like th- this is all welcome here. In fact, in a lot of ways, Jesus is building his church on people who lived that paradox, you know, that man, I am drawn to Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. But I have some questions. I don't know. I just don't know if I can buy into this. I don't know about that. So we realize that as we've traveled this series together, maybe some questions have kind of surfaced to the top of your head. You know, maybe you've got some things kind of swelling in your heart. For instance, uh, in James... Um, James is, is one of these epistles to the early churches, and James says, look, basically when you ask God, believe and do not doubt, um, because then you're just going to be like a, a wave that's like tossed, you know, back and forth in the sea. So I said, well, how do I reconcile that? Because Kurt, on one hand, you're telling me that, you know, Jesus is building his church on people who lived this paradox of being drawn to Jesus, but also having these questions and these doubts. So how do I, how do I bring this in here, you know? Uh, maybe there's some other questions that you have about things that we have discussed together. Um, we want to invite you out next Monday night to Ann's living room, and like, just bring your questions. Email me if you can, kurt at mosaiclincoln.com. Um, we'll make sure you have the address, the time, all that good stuff. And it's just an opportunity to kind of get together and say, man, you know, I've really appreciated this, but I'm, I'm questioning this. I'm, I'm wondering what about this. Um, that's coming up, okay? So that's next Monday night. Uh, what else did I have to say? Um, is Spencer here? Spencer Wilkson? Spencer here? I don't see Spencer. Um, anyways, um, coming up for, if, you, if you're a guy here in the room, Spencer reached out to me a few weeks ago and he's like, hey, want to kind of create an environment where some guys can come together on a regular basis and just, you know, enjoy some time together, but also talk about just how God's Spirit is at work in our lives. I'm like, yes. Um, as a pastor, there's nothing better than seeing something begin when you as the pastor didn't have to initiate it. <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing. And so Spencer's like, what do you think? Do you think I can do that? And I'm like, yeah, you can do that. Um, so if you're a guy, um, if, if you're not a part of, I know, you know, maybe you're not on Facebook. I'm not on it very much, but I do follow the Mosaic Community Facebook page because sometimes people are just posting things in there. Keep that in mind. I, again, Anne's house, the last Wednesday night of the month, they generally get together for a women's dinner. Anne's shaking her head, please stop talking about my house, would you? Um, yeah, so good stuff, Mosaic. I'm trying to remember if there was something else. Oh, last but not least. So Mosaic Story Nights, once a month, we're going to get together at the Bay and create opportunities for people to come together and talk. So at the end of this month, you'll see it, it's at the bottom of your handout. I think it's Monday night, February 25th. Um, We're going to have a discussion together um, centering on the Enneagram, right? Maybe some of you are like, oh, you're like really jazzed up by the Enneagram right now. Some of you are like, I hear people talk about that and I have no idea what it is. Um, let me just say this to kind of to tease you a little bit. So, so the Enneagram is basically, it's nine numbers, okay? And, and you can kind of, there's not like this magical test that you can take, although there are some tests out there. And this tool has been around for, for centuries. This isn't a new thing. 
Um, and so there's nine numbers that kind of describe nine different personality types. And three of those numbers are more kind of like the head personalities. That's me. Um, my, I'm a number five, so I'm, I'm an observer. I'm a thinker. Um, that's what I love to do. Now, it's good, so how do I live into that with my full potential? But yet at the same time, sometimes as a number five, I can get into some really unhealthy patterns. For instance, I'll be thinking about something for three years and then bring it before my wife, and she's like, gee, thanks for letting me in on that. You know, like I can get into some very unhealthy patterns. Um, so there's the head, but then there's people who live from the gut, you know, uh, people who, and then there's people who live from the heart. And then there's wings. So I'm actually a five with a four wing. Um, so I'm kind of a romantic a little bit too, um, which means I can, I can watch a sad movie and cry. It's okay. It's all right. Be a little melancholy. Um, but we're going to explore this together. And, and, and if you're like just stepping into this and you're like, boy, that sounds fascinating. I'd like to come and maybe explore this a little bit more. Consider what my personality type might be. And really just kind of see my life as a gift. This is a gift, you know, my life that God has given to me, created in the image of God. I get to share this beautiful gift. You know, me being an observer, a thinker, I get to share this gift with others. But yet at the same time, how do I keep this gift from also like becoming maybe my own worst nightmare too? Um, So yeah, come out and uh, we're going to kind of um, be led through a discussion. Um, It's exciting actually, Brian and Chelsea Marine, a lot of you know Brian and Chelsea. They've they've really um, have, have... dove into this, and they've been to a, a couple of conferences where they dove into this, so they're going to kind of help lead us through that discussion, um, a fun time together. All right. Wow, lots of stuff, guys. So, um, if it couldn't get any worse, let me start us with a quote from Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov. little light reading for your weekend, if you want it. Um, so, yeah, it's just this voluminous novel, and... Uh, in the midst of the book, there is a woman who goes to see a priest, and she had been to the priest a few days earlier, and she had asked the priest to pray for her daughter's healing, and she ends up going back to the priest to say thank you. Um, but yet, she's at this place where now she's going to really let herself be known, okay? So, she's going to kind of really bear her soul, and... In the novel, she says this, let me say, she sings to the priest, let me say what I could not say last time, what I dared not say. I have been suffering for so long. I am suffering. Forgive me, I am suffering. And she's, she's talking about an internal suffering of the soul that she's dealing with, an internal suffering of the mind. She's got these questions She says, I suffer from lack of faith. Then she goes on, life after death. It is such an enigma. And no one, no one can solve it. And I say to myself, what if I've been believing all my life? And when I come to die, there's nothing but weeds growing on my grave. What if when I die, I come to this point and there's nothing but weeds growing on my grave? Now remember, I'm a five with a four wing, so I love this kind of stuff, right? I'm constantly thinking about this kind of stuff, right? There's this romantic part of me that's like, oh, yeah, there's this beautiful age to come. I just know it. 
Jesus, in some way, has already inaugurated it right here in the midst of this old world that's falling apart. There's this new world that's taking shape. But then there's this suffering that goes on in my, in my soul and in my head sometimes where I can identify with this woman, and maybe you can too. What if I get to the end of it all, and there's nothing but weeds growing on top of my grave? How? How can I get my faith back? I only believed when I was a little child mechanically, without thinking of anything. How? How is one to prove it? How can I convince myself? So what we've tried to do, Mosaic, is try to create a place here throughout this series where we can think out loud about these things, right? Some of the questions we wrestle with. Um, by thinking out loud, creating a space where maybe we can allow God to meet us in the midst of this. And, and we've been kind of going down into the rabbit hole. But now over this week and next week, as we kind of come out of this series, we're going to begin to kind of emerge out of the rabbit hole. Because as exciting as it is to kind of, you know, burrow down deep in and explore some of these questions, the reality is this. Did, did you notice this woman in the midst of asking all these questions, how many times the word I was used? How can I, how can I, how can I? And it's possible that as we create space for us to think out loud, that we focus so much on ourselves um, that I becomes the center of everything, right? And, and here's the reality. If we allow ourselves to question Mosaic, but we remember a life that stays centered on I is sure to miss the presence of, of God's new world taking shape right here in the midst of this one. A life that stays centered on I is sure to miss the presence of God's new world taking shape right here in the midst of this one. Now remember, as we talked about last week, even as we explored, you know, issues of like mercy and justice and hell and, and for Jesus, the focus was very much on what does it mean to join in the work, the cultivation of God's new world here, right? The end of the story is heaven is coming here. The, the main idea of the story is not where are you going after this life as you know it is done. But Jesus wants to bring us into the here and now. Will we participate with the new world that his life, death, and resurrection has started? Um, in order to tend to that, we have to kind of move away from the I. We have to eventually kind of just get away from questioning things all the time. So I'm probably preaching to myself a little bit, but I hope I'm preaching to some of you too in the midst of the questions that you wrestle with, in the midst of the, the answers that just don't come. So with that in mind, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Does anybody want to get married this morning? It's a famous wedding passage, all right? Um, it is beautiful for weddings, but this, this is generally where we hear this passage. Um, but but I, I hate to burst your bubble if you use this in your wedding. It's not really a, a necessarily a wedding scripture, although it can be used for that, and it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13 was, um, was written to this ancient church in Corinth, wrestling with a lot of issues that were going on, and, and Paul is going to really unpack just what it means to to love, right? To be a community of love. So I know this might be familiar to a lot of us, but, but let me just read this and let's allow these words to wash over us, right? Because even as we talked about 
Scripture and how we handle Scriptures. We talked about this one of the first weeks in this series. Um, scripture, when it was originally given, remember, it wasn't given to us. We, we get in on it, yes, and it's a gift that we get in on, but it was ultimately given to people in a real time, in a real place, and, and we're part of that story. But when it was given to those people, these letters were, were read kind of in large chunks over congregations. And so one of the ways that we can rec- kind of recapture how, how Scripture is used is by just allowing it to be read over us, sometimes in just large chunks. Um, And so let's do that this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. Because Paul says, if I, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So if I do all these things, if I do all these things, but if I don't have love, I'm I'm nothing. Like, what's the point of it? Then comes this, this famous kind of passage that's read in a lot of wedding ceremonies. Love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Then Paul goes on to say, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Because what was happening in, a lot, in, in this congregation in particular is, you know, kind of, if people could speak in tongues, if they could have these utterances in other language, if, if they could somehow give like a word of prophecy, that was kind of like, ooh, wow, this person, like they're in on it. You know, like this person's in on it. Um, if they had this knowledge that they could see things, you know, but Paul's saying, look, all of that's going to pass away. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Then he says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. You can almost kind of hear like almost this little bit of scolding that's going on, you know, to the congregation. Like, look, you can continue to act in this childish way. But like, it's, it's time to grow up. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So when you... When you Imagine yourself having this read over you if you're in the church at Corinth. You get this sense that like knowledge, gifts, you know, kind of gifts within the church that are maybe celebrated more than others. Like this is child's play. That's all child's play. Paul wants these people to understand what really matters and endures is love. That's what really matters. Will you love other people? Period. Love extends into the age to come. Like, that, that is all that matters. Now, some of us maybe have been a part of churches 
um, where the greatest thing you could do was affirm a certain set of doctrines or beliefs, right? And maybe it goes unsaid, but but some of us, that's that's what we are part of, you know? And, and those are still out there. Now, that's not to say that that beliefs don't matter. But what, what Paul is saying, he wants to put this in perspective. All of that is child's play. And if that rubs you the wrong way, good, it should. It should rub you the wrong way. Wait a minute, so am I focusing too much on my beliefs, on like getting the right things right, you know, making sure that, that we're believing exactly? Like Paul is saying what really matters is love, can you, can you put others before yourself? Can you walk patiently with others? Can you, can you walk patiently in such a way that you hold your tongue, that you learn to listen more than you learn to give answers? Can you give time and space to realize that maybe you don't know it all, that there's things that you need to learn and glean and understand? And, and certainly, guys, the American church has placed certain gifts on stages and under the spotlight more than others, right? But again, Paul is saying all of that, child's play. What matters is this, is, is are we going to grow in love for one another? Because ultimately, faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love, because in the end, love is what extends into the age to come. All of the other stuff is child's play. It passes away. So where do we go with this? How how do we balance this like, all right, I want to grow in love, but yet how do I maybe sometimes in the midst of the questions and the doubts and everything that I'm I'm dealing with, where, what direction do I go? Um, If I can, just in closing, I want to turn us to a little story in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And in the midst of this story, there is a man who... um, He proclaims a phrase that I know is a phrase that has been a phrase that I've often had to say in my own life. And I hope for you, if this series has resonated with you, if these themes that we've talked about as we've dove into the scriptures together, if this has resonated with you, I hope that this becomes a a phrase of yours. So when they, Peter, James, John, and Jesus, when they came to the other disciples, There was a story that took place right before this. So Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, they come and they join the other disciples. They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Because that's that's what we do, right? We argue about ideas and beliefs and this and that and who's right and who's wrong. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. And Jesus kind of says these this kind of staunch phrase here. He says, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. 
If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Yes, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Because Jesus, you're telling me that anything's possible if I'm willing to believe, but I've seen too much life, Jesus. I've walked too many hard roads. So, so you tell me, how am, I supposed to like, how am I supposed to do this? Lord, I believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief, right? How many of us can, can resonate with that? Yeah? I know, right? I can resonate with that. Um, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that we could approach this narrative. Um, but, but here's what I want to do. I want to, in particular, grab a hold of this phrase of this father, because I want us to place ourselves in the position of this individual, right? God, I believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief because I've been living with frustration for way too long. I've been living with questions and things not working out for way too long. I've been stretched for way too long, and I've prayed about a lot of things. So if this one only comes out by prayer, well, guess what? I've prayed about things for a long time. And this situation doesn't seem to be kind of, you know, taking on a different shape and form. So Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. So what are some ways maybe that we can just kind of live in that place? Um, I love the way that Jesus meets this man right here. Jesus meets him in this place. Lord, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And what does Jesus meets him right there and, and does a work. But here's why I want us to understand. God's new world, the, the new world that, that Jesus and his kingdom is creating right here in the midst of this one. It's tended through faith that limps and great acts of love. Okay, so this even ties back into 1 Corinthians 13. Ultimately, love is the thing that kind of extends into the age of come. Notice what this father does, right? This father is willing to almost kind of um, just bust into the scene, cause a commotion, has the nerve to go to Jesus, this respected teacher who people are, are clamoring for his time, clamoring for his attention. But because this father loves his child so much, the father's love, even though his faith is limping drastically, that, that faith with a limp, but that great act of love this father has for his son, this is the very thing that's going to allow the father to to begin to see how Jesus is going to work in this situation. And some of you right now, you're faced with situations where you're like, you're limping through it. You're limping through it. Um, And you're like, man, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to come from this. I don't know how Jesus is going to work in this. I don't even know if I believe that he's going to work in this. But if you're willing to like allow love to be your motivating factor, love for maybe some person Love for yourself because you want to see some transformation take place in your own life. Like those two things together are a powerful combination. 
a, a faith that limps, but yet united with a great act of love. I think this story reminds us that faith isn't the absence of doubt. I said this in week one when we started the series. Faith is not the absence of doubt, Mosaic. Faith is not being like super certain about everything that you believe, but faith is the presence of love. And notice the incredible love that this man has for his son, right? So, so this man's faith, like I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. His faith is actually like, it carries this, this great love for his son. And so, Mosaic, the best way that our faith can be expressed is not through being so certain in exactly what we believe, but allowing love, love for our neighbor, right? Love for those that we come into contact with every day. This is, this is where it's at. This is where the movement's at. Faith is the vehicle moving us toward the love of God and neighbor, A renewed faith, guys, a renewed faith, it doesn't come through greater certainty and belief, but through a practice of love. Immersing ourselves in God's love for us and then extending that to one another in our world. And that's why I love Mosaic as a community. One of the things that we've said is the most important thing to us as a community is shared practices that we engage in together, right? One of the shared practices that we engage in together is resting, and saying, I need to give myself some rest night right now just to remind myself that, that I am the beloved one of God. And that doesn't come to me by what I accomplish or what I can do or how I can prove myself. But I'm the beloved one of God just as I am. And so I need to pull away and just rest and let my life be a gift to myself. We said that's why we, one of our practices is, is listening listening to other people. We believe that by listening, um, these are incredible acts of love in our world where people want to talk and let their idea be known, you know? Let their truth be known. But it's like, how do we listen? How do we share tables with one another? And in that space, believe that Jesus is present and Jesus is doing work in the midst of that. How do we bless other people? Another one of our practices. How do we celebrate then things that we see along the way? These are ways that our faith is renewed by engaging in these practices together. And so if you're in that place where you're like, man, I'm going through a situation right now, and like you find yourself like, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief, like, and you're just kind of sitting and stewing in that again, if you stay centered on I for too long, it will eat you alive. It will eat you up. Like just, you know what? Lay that down. Call someone up and just say, hey, can we share coffee together? You know, pull a group of people together and, and have a meal together. Go and listen to someone's story. This is, this is the way that your faith is renewed, Mosaic. A renewed faith doesn't come by having our questions answered, by having, you know, this certain set of beliefs that, that we know, okay, there, you know, I've arrived. But it comes through these practices. That's how our faith is renewed. In Mosaic, ultimately committing ourselves to practices of love within a shared community within a shared community like this, because you can go do this on your own. Like, you can just go and I'll just love on my own, but actually committing yourself to a shared community where you share in these practices of love, this invites us into a paradox that we actually find ourselves by losing ourselves in shared practices of a community. Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk back in the mid-1900s. His birthday was this past week. 
And if you've read any of, of Thomas Merton, you, you, what you discover about his life is Thomas Merton, he was, a, he was an adventuresome guy. Thomas Merton wanted to be a sailor. Um, he had a, an incredible love for the sea. Um, he was a writer. He was a poet. He had all kinds of dreams for his life. And eventually, on his journey, what he does is he joins himself to a Trappist community. And in one of his writings, The Seven-Story Mountain, he talks about this paradox that unfolds in his life, that actually by committing himself to the shared practices of a community, he actually found his life. He was convinced that he was going to lose his life by having to give up on some of his individual dreams, but by sharing in this the practices of this shared community, he found his life. And that's a paradox that I know a lot of us experience, right? That's why we continue to show up here week after week. This is why Jesus invites us into a community with all of our questions, our doubts, our skepticisms, all of it. But he's building his church, guys, on us. He's building his church on us right here. So we keep showing up in each other's lives and say, let's keep going. You know what? I know you don't know what's going to come from this situation, but... Can I keep encouraging you just to love that person? Just to practice love. What's it going to look like to keep practicing love in whatever situation you're going through now? And all of this brings us back to the mother that experienced the healing of her daughter, and then she went back to the priest in Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov. And the priest gives a response um, to the woman She said, uh, I suffer from lack of faith. How can I get my faith back? How can I convince myself? I can't stand it. It's deadly. These are her words. And to this, the priest responds, no doubt, but there's no proving it, though you can be convinced of it by the experience of active love. Strive to love your neighbor actively and constantly. Insofar as you advance in love, you will grow sure of the reality of God and of the immortality of the soul. If you attain perfect self-forgetfulness in the love of your neighbor, then you will believe without doubt. Doubt will no longer be able to enter your soul. This has been tried. This is certain. So the priest is saying, if you, want to, if you want to deal with the doubt, the questions, the skepticism, the, 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 the turmoil that's going on in your heart and head, strive to actively love. Just stay present in the situation in love, not asking what's in this for me. But how do I receive the love of God as his beloved, but then how do I extend that love to other people? Like, that's where it's at, Mosaic. That's where it's at, right there. And so this is why we read in Scripture in 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. It's how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So, um, love, Mosaic. What's it going to look like ultimately first for you to... To actually see yourself as the beloved one of God. 
right? That you don't have to perform, that you don't have to measure up, that you don't have to fulfill these expectations that either others or you have created for yourself. But what's it going to look like for you to enter into a practice of learning how to receive the love that God has for you as yourself at your core? You know, what, what will that look like? Learning how to be silent, get in solitude, stop the activity, put the phone down, stop going to the medications that we turn to, whatever it is, right? The things that we use to numb ourselves. What's it going to look like to actually enter into a practice of believing that, no, I am the beloved one of God just as I am. It's not about what I accomplish, what I can measure, what I can prove. God loves me just as I am. But then also, how can I then extend that love in every situation around me? How can I step in and just be a just be a presence of love? So here's our here's our task for this week, Mosaic. Let's just let's get off our butts. Uh, let's get off our butts. Um, or I guess maybe if you need to sit on your butt and learn to like love yourself and allow yourself to be loved, right? Just allow yourself to be loved in moments of quiet. But then like get up and and kind of get away from your questions and your doubts and your uncertainties and just start looking to love the people around you. You know, love one another. Let's love one another. Let's, let's learn to, like, really know each other and allow ourselves to be known. But then also, let's extend that love to each and every neighbor that we meet along the way. So I want to invite the, the worship team to come back up um, as we wrap up this morning, Mosaic. And as you come forward to these tables that we have here, and we believe that, that Jesus is somehow present with us in the midst of this, we remember um, how Jesus started this practice um, the Apostle Paul said, we, we proclaim the Lord's death every time we come to these tables uh, until he comes again. And our, our past, our present, our future, it's being held together by the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, we hope that as you come forward down the center aisle, that you would just allow yourself to just be reminded of the incredible love that God has for you just as you are and that you would, that you would rest in that. Um, And as you rest in that, that you would look to then extend that in whatever situation you find yourself this week, a situation at home, situation at work, at school, with a neighbor, the world around, whatever. The opportunity is before us. So let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for just the hour here together this morning. And thank you uh, that you invite us to take stock of our lives as we approach these tables. And uh, you invite us to come just as we are, to humble ourselves, and to receive the incredible love that you have for us, that we can share it with all who are around. And we pray this in your name. Amen.